0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, uh, everyone. Thank you for joining today's session on an introduction to the ODI Fellowship Scheme. Um, My name is Sasha Kapadia. I'm the Director of Global Advisory here at ODI. I am the head of the Fellowship Scheme. I'm very privileged to be able to lead this program for the past six months, so fairly new to it. I am joined by an esteemed panel of former fellows who will give you a bit of guidance and insight into their fellowship experiences, but also um, my longstanding champions of the scheme, my colleagues, um, Susan Barron and Darren Lomas. Um, Susan and Darren, would you please introduce yourselves?
1: Hi, I'm Darren. I've worked on the fellowship scheme for uh, well over 10 years. So I've got a lot of experience in um, recruiting and placing fellows. And so I've seen a lot of the things that they go through over the the many years.
0: Hi, my name is Susan Barron. I'm the programme manager for the Fellowship Scheme. Um, And I've been in this job for even longer than Darren. And so I've come across most of the issues that fellows um, experience and questions that they have. Uh, And kind of, I focus a lot on the sort of fellows in country, how they're getting on general well-being, and stuff as part of my role. Thank you, Darren and Susan. I'm gonna go ahead and introduce our alums who will be joining us. um, For a, a bit of housekeeping at the outset, we're going to give a very brief presentation Uh, an overview of the fellowship scheme, and then we're gonna hear from our alums, and then you'll have quite a bit of time at the end to ask questions. Um, Please ask your questions in the Q&A. The chat has been disabled for this webinar, so if you have a question, please uh, use the Q&A, and we will will get to those uh, at the point in the webinar when we're ready to. So um, don't hesitate. No question is too basic or too complicated. So, with that, I will uh, introduce our fellows. First, uh, I'll start with Ashna Jamal, a former fellow in the Ministry of Finance at the the Budget Department specifically uh, in Timor-Leste from 2018 to 2020. She's now a macro fiscal advisor for the Premise 2 program at Adam Smith International. Ashna, can you say hello?
2: Hi, thanks for the introduction. Really happy to be here and speak to people who are interested in the ODI fellowship program. I'm also actually currently working in Timor on something with Yang, who will be introduced soon. So, still have a connection with Timor and I'll talk about that later. Okay.
0: Next, I'll go to Adria Ruiz Rodriguez, former fellow Ministry of Trade, Industry and Tourism in Somaliland from 2019 to 2021. He's now a PhD candidate at the Institute for Innovation and Public Purpose at UCL. Can you say hi, Adria?
3: Hi, all, and thanks for the introduction, Sacha.
0: And last but not least, we have Yang Liu, uh, a former fellow in the Ministry of Education uh, uh, at, my gosh, in uh, in Somaliland, no. Sorry, guys. My
1: Timor Yang,
0: yeah, can you just fill in, please?
1: <laughs> sure, I will do. Um, so I was a fellow between 2019 and 2021, um, based at the Ministry of Education in Timor Leste. Um, as Ashna said, I'm also working a project here right now. So yeah, the the connection is strong.
0: <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much, Yang. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to share my screen and present a very brief presentation on the. Fellowship Scheme. Um, I believe everyone can see my screen, so I'm going to keep going. So, what is the ODI Fellowship Scheme? Uh, The ODI Fellowship Scheme uh, is celebrating its 60th anniversary this year. So, we have um, a long history of providing very quality technical assistance um, to host institutions, public sector institutions all over the world. It is a demand-led partnership between ODI and its partners. Um, It's a win-win. Governments benefit because they get uh, high quality and high caliber junior professionals to fill key skills gaps in lower and middle-income countries, and fellows benefit because they have this really tremendous opportunity to work uh, in a local civil service, Uh, for an extended period of time, on a two-year contract. It was established in 1963. Uh, We've partnered with over 40 countries and an additional uh, 10 or or so uh, regional and international organizations. Uh, We've placed over 1300 fellows. Fellows have gone on to do uh, incredible work in the public sector, at multilaterals, uh, in civil society, uh, in business, um, fellows go on to really storied careers uh, of of all kinds. And the current list of fellows um, are Ethiopia, Ghana, Malawi, uh, Namibia, Pakistan, Rwanda, Sierra Leone, Solomon Islands, Somaliland, Sri Lanka, Tanzania, Timor Leste, Tonga, Uganda, Uzbekistan, uh, and Zambia. There, as you can see, the breadth. Uh, of geographies that the fellowship covers is quite um, extensive. So all the way from the South Pacific uh, and in the next batch, we're looking at the Caribbean. So it's it's quite impressive. Why do host governments want ODI fellows? Well, simplistically, it's because they provide a lot of value. ODI fellows contribute to stronger institutions. They help strengthen internal systems of a ministry They improve national and subnational policies, um, working in close coordination with their colleagues. Uh, They bolster networks and build coalitions. So as a as a fellow, it, there's an interesting insider-outsider relationship that one has. Uh, and because of that, there's, a, there's an ability um, to work quite effectively with the broader development stakeholders in a particular country and, and facilitate that, that needed collaboration. Uh, they enhance the work culture of an office by bringing their own experience, um, their own insights, uh, their own personalities to their work environments, and most importantly, they advance mutual learning. So I wanna stress that this is not, um, you know, a one-way transaction. Um, Fellows gain a tremendous amount by exchanging and uh, and learning from their colleagues uh, at all levels during their fellowships uh, and in their their countries of posting, and the learning goes both ways. colleagues uh, who may not have had access to particular trainings or uh, particular methodologies benefit from from everything that the fellow brings uh, in in their role. What's in it for a fellow? Well, it's a unique and immersive experience. If you're interested in international development, there's really nothing like it. Uh, The ODI Fellowship Scheme is well, e- exceptionally well organized by ODI, but it's also uh, we also take a bit of a backseat. Uh, the The host institution that employs um, the fellow is the the entity that that manages that individual on a day to day basis, and so it really allows for um, a person to experience um, life and work in a foreign country uh, and to be treated. Um, To the extent possible as a local. And so in that sense, it's a it's an opportunity to to develop personal and professional skills that you wouldn't get elsewhere. Uh, And uh, as evidenced by the the countries where fellows are currently posted, but also our alums on the line, um, there's an exposure to different geographies and countries. Uh, Interestingly, Yang and and Ashna are are somehow both in in Timor at the moment, Uh, but there's a We've seen fellows go from essentially one one country to another country because they've they like the intensity of being in a in a in a different culture in a different environment. What do Odysseus fellow, fellows do? Well, they do many things, uh, but just to give you a snapshot of the broad um, share of work that is uh, on their you know, in their portfolios, many are are placed in ministries of finance or planning or at central banks. Um, so that's where you'll that's you know not a not a not a majority, but a large proportion of our our, our fellows um, sit in those institutions. Um, we send fellows to a number of line ministries, so health, education, agriculture, environment. That makes up a, a healthy chunk of our uh, of our posts. And then you see trade and industry, um, statistics, and then other. What do ODI fellows do on a day-to-day basis? So policy analysis um, is first and foremost uh, what what they cover. So they help analyze data and information to solve problems. Uh, This can involve macroeconomic analysis, sectoral spending analysis, and helping to respond to crises by being um, quite nimble and agile and, and thinking about um, response. System strengthening, finding ways to make systems work more smoothly. So fellows often come, uh, well, fellows come directly from master's programs, uh, but they also come with a bit of work experience. Uh, and so in that respect, they take their very practical skills around budget, around uh finance, accounting, and help um, implement those sorts of tools, those sorts of, of methodologies and, and systems uh, in their jobs. And uh, lastly, they help, as I mentioned earlier, build networks and communicate complex ideas. So if you know, a particular ministry is looking at trying to increase foreign direct investment, they'll help um, you know, advise on trade policy, advise on um, how to... Pr- better create an enabling environment for foreign investors. Um, They'll help uh, facilitate and advise on how best to work with external um, technical assistance providers or external stakeholders in the development sphere. How does it work? So as I said, uh, the fellowship scheme is exceptionally well-organized by ODI because we are the facilitator of the scheme. We are responsible for selecting candidates for identifying posts along with host institutions we prepare a pre-departure briefing which is a a week long that takes place in our office in london Uh, and then we oversee the administration of the fellowship scheme throughout uh, the two years so we facilitate um, salary payments to the fellows we help with flights Uh, We provide medical insurance, and the fellowship scheme is funded by a a number of different donors, and so we uh, make sure that we are uh, providing timely reports on the progress of the scheme to our funders. And last, um, but most important, we provide duty of care to our fellows. So fellows are scattered all over the world. It's our responsibility to ensure that they are safe uh, and that their well-being is cared for, and so we provide safeguarding and security services um, to advise and guide on all sorts of of issues and um, any challenges that may arise. What does the host institution do? So the host institution uh, in coordination with ODI uh, identifies the the fellowship post where a, a fellow will be placed. So that includes drafting of a job description. And this job description is developed and, uh, and outlined before a fellow even gets, uh, gets the job, frankly, um, the host institution manages the fellow on a day to day basis, because the host institution is the employer of the fellow, it extends the same conditions of service as locally recruited staff. So that's a, a often a local salary component, that then ODI tops up to uh, have consistency across Uh, fellows all over the world. Uh, They ensure ODI fellows receive work permits, and they provide the day-to-day duty of care in the workplace, so ensuring that there are no workplace incidents. What is the fellow responsible for? So the fellow is responsible for doing their job, doing their work to the best of their ability, and showing up uh, day-to-day and being as as collegial and effective as possible. Um, They're supposed to follow the rules of the host institution and promote the interests of the host institution before a fellow's own. Um, Ultimately, the fellow is accountable to the needs of the host institution. Uh, And of course, they have to be a good colleague. So they have to show respect to colleagues. They have to be appropriately deferential. They have to um, actively listen and behave with humility because um, a fellow is, as I said, has this interesting insider-outsider relationship with the position. And so it's important to be appreciating um, and acknowledging all um, that a fellow doesn't know, uh, as well as sharing uh, thoughts and guidance and lessons that um, could add enhancements or improvements to the status quo. Who are we looking for? We're looking for postgraduate Economists and statisticians who can apply their skills practically. Um, this is the the legacy profile of a uh, of a fellow. Um, if you're not uh, if you do not have a master's in economics or in statistics, um, don't be alarmed. If you have uh, a public policy background or a development background, or an econometrics background, um, please consider applying to the fellowship scheme. Um, We're looking at individuals who have hard skills, uh, but also the the right nature and spirit to take on the fellowship scheme. Relevant work experience is obviously a plus, uh, and the right personal qualities, resilience, humility, adaptability, and the ability to be culturally sensitive are prerequisites. We encourage applicants from all nationalities. So, despite the fact that there is a uh, a legacy tie of the ODI Fellowship Scheme with the UK government and FCDO is our largest funder, um, we are open to individuals from all nationalities, uh, and we encourage applications from LGBTQ plus uh, communities and and disabled candidates as well. How to apply? Uh, apply online. We go to our website at ODI, uh, and the application will be up in a matter of days, frankly. Uh, And for any inquiries, please reach out to our general inbox, fellows at ODI.org. With that, I will stop sharing. Susan and Darren, would you like to add anything given your your experience with the scheme? Anything um, overview side?
1: I think that was that was well covered. Um just to to mention that we are actually we're open now for applications. So yes. yeah. As soon as anyone wants to apply, well, I think a few have started already.
0: Great. Thanks, Darren. Okay. Um, I'm paying attention to the chat uh, and perhaps it's best for us. I'll I'll address one question um, about applications. If you can apply as many times as you want, Uh, there's no um, limit on the time, the number of times that you can apply. And in fact, we often hear that um, fellows go through the process uh, multiple times before being selected. Uh, So do not be discouraged if you do not get a, a placement this year. But um, without further ado, I think it's really important for us to hear from our alums, uh, and perhaps they can give us a bit of a, uh, an insight or an overview into their experiences. Um, Ashna, we'll, we'll start with you. We'll go to Adria then and then to Yang, uh, and then we have a couple of questions that we hope will kick off a, a, a discussion amongst you all, and then we'll make sure to reserve at least 20 minutes for questions at the end.
2: Thank you so much Sasha, um, uh, very excited to be here and speak to uh, uh, a lot of people who might be potentially doing the fellowship in the coming year. Uh, so I'll dive right in about what are the things, so how I want to structure this is, I'll talk about the things that I loved about the, fel- the fellowship, what were the things that were difficult and you know um, how to think about those going forward. So I was in the budget department in Timor-Leste between 2018 and 2020. And right as I came in, um, we were in the middle of a state budget and I was assigned uh, the task of doing the budget book. Uh, this was at a time where I did not know Teton, which is the state language, and my boss didn't speak English. So it, it was quite difficult uh, right away to be in that position. But uh, what I learned and I, what I would advise to every anyone who's going to do the fellowship is give yourself time, you will eventually get there and you'll learn what the local customs are, what is expected of you and how to go about it. So at least a solid five to six months before you start fretting that the fellowship isn't working for you or you're not the right fit. Because what eventually ended up happening was I learned the basics of the language after after learning how to communicate with my boss, which I practiced over time, I was able to understand uh, the structure of my department, what the political legacy was, who did not like whom, um, what the political issues were, and how to navigate those, and the fellowship ended up being very interesting. So I ended up working on a broad, uh, uh, broad amount of things. So, for example, my main job was doing the uh, the the budget for the country so which was quite quite a big job and um i was in the position to basically allocate money to different line ministries um uh, advice on that and then later on in the year once the budget was passed also look at budget execution uh, at the same time timor was has been looking at a host of public finance reforms and as an odi fellow uh, um, i ended up working with different development partners but as sasha mentioned Uh, On behalf of the Ministry of Finance, I was able to steer a few conversations um, and also contribute to them. Uh, All the while remembering that I was representing the Ministry of Finance's interests. So it was always an interesting, um, um, interesting position because sometimes people who are in other other development partners might think that you're a foreigner, so you're not their side. But at the end of the day, you're on the ministry side, so you're always navigating that. So ended up working on a bunch of different things, and what that has done is um really i continue to work on public finance and social sector financing so it really helped me understand what the nuts and bolts of the processes are in a ministry of finance and in line ministry and i think what the fellowship gave me was that sort of ground the groundwork which i continue to use um in the different jobs that i do even today um so yeah overall it was a really great learning experience um but uh, and i was really trusted which was quite was a really good place to start but it's not really necessarily the case for all fellows because sometimes in certain fellowships you're the first fellow uh in that position so you have a lot of trust building to do um and different people have navigated that in different ways maybe something Yang can speak about but um i'll now speak about some of the things that didn't fully work which were Uh, you have to realize that you're working in places which have sometimes a fraught political environment. So when I came in in 2018, the 2017 election was just closing down. So we thought things were going to be very different. And uh, there would be a lot of direction based on which the budget process would move smoothly, but it did not move smoothly year on year. So for example, in 2020, 2021, Um, I was doing the budget and instead of doing it once, I had to do it thrice because there there was a political deadlock in the parliament, which was quite frustrating. But um, it also meant being in that position also meant that I got to work on a host of different things. So I think whoever uh, wants to do the job, be prepared that there'll be challenges and there's no set POR you'll be doing things uh, which are outside of what you imagine you'd be doing, but they all can be interesting. And there's a lot of uh, scope, uh, especially in different governments where they trust you to um, outline your own PORs. And basically on a day-to-day basis, you have the power to suggest something you find interesting. Um, So I think that's something that you don't necessarily get to do in a consulting job. I used to work as a public policy consultant for three years before. So, Enjoy the challenges because they're also opportunities. Um, and lastly, I would say that um, um, basically take your time if you decide to go for the fellowship and land in country. Um, everyone feels bad for some time, not knowing what the language is like, uh, not knowing what the political dynamics are in office, but you eventually learn them. Um, and once you get to that point, you start enjoying your fellowship. So, yeah, good luck to whoever, whoever ends up doing it this year.
0: Thanks so much, Ashna. Um, Adria, can we hear from you?
3: Yes, yes. Hi, everyone. Um, I have some slides with some pictures that might uh, help uh, um, get a sense of the. So let me see if you can see it. Can you see uh ODI fellowship uh, script? Okay, okay. Um, okay, so. Hi everyone. Yes, my name is uh, Adrienne. I was an ODI fellow um, during uh, between twenty nineteen and twenty twenty one, and I was a fellow. Oh, sorry, one second. Yeah, Um, at the Somalian Ministry of Trade, Industry, and Tourism, and and I'll just uh, talk about a bit about the experience so that you get a bit of a sense of how was it. doing the fellowship there and I think that it will resonate a lot with uh, what uh, Aishna mentioned um, before that maybe a bit of an overview so you might not be familiar with Somaliland that's because it's a um, non-recognized semi-autonomous state officially part of Somalia where the main language is Somali um, religion is Islam and it has a population of about four um, million people it has one of the lowest GDP per capita in the continent and its economic structure is um, based on pastoralism, although there are um, relatively recent dynamics as um, the country is emerging as a potential um, logistics hub for the in the region. Um, as mentioned, I was uh, posted at the Ministry of Trade, Industry and Tourism, which um, had uh, a basic uh, mandate to design and implement policies along these three areas. So basically the trade policy, the industrial policy. And the tourism policy, and apart from this, um, um, uh, its mandate included coordinating private sector actors um, with a strong focus on MSMEs and and also uh, building the whole sort of tourist infrastructure um, across the different uh, sites that are in Somalia. Um, later, there were some reshuffles, and the industry sort of um, element was moved to the Ministry of Investment, and therefore um, it basically became after a year or so the Ministry of Trade and Tourism. Now, what I think might be useful to 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 look at is the types of uh, sort of work streams that I was engaged in. Um, it's not, of course, the only things that uh, that I did. So there were different uh, sort of things uh, coming and going, but I would say that these were the four main. Um, Um, sort of a stable work streams or areas of work where I was uh, engaged. So first, we started conducting internal surveys in the ministry that um, were internally developed and were meant to inform policy. So for instance, we did this cross-border trade survey in the somaliland Ethiopia border in the custom post of Tokwajale, which then fed into the um, trade policy. Um, Second, we also... Uh, developed together with my supervisor training material and conducted workshops as well as um, training, a uh, sort of training cor- course that ran for about a month. Um, and third, and related to that, we spent a lot of time also with my supervisor in trying to um, sort of uh, establish, uh, harmonize the procedures to collect, um, treat, uh, clean, share, analyze, and report the administrative data that the ministry was um, collecting. Um, And eventually we also got to start uh, reporting this not only internally for the minister and other department directors and cabinet as well, but also externally for for other stakeholders. And finally, I was also involved again um, with my supervisor in trying to um, sort of improve the internal organization of the ministry. So basically coordinating with different department directors to establish Um, an annual strategic uh, plan, as well as three-year strategic plans for the ministry. So basically, I just wanted to go through these also to highlight maybe two or three takeaways. The first one is that I was, uh, as you can see, not engaged in um, very technical, sophisticated work in the sense of, you know, using very advanced statistical software like Python or or running modeling or so on, which meant that there were other types of skills that were um, very important, um, maybe you know, soft skills. And second, that um, although I mean, we are all replaceable. This, is of course, not you know about uh, me or so on, but uh, but it was quite rewarding to see that the ministry was um, able to produce outputs that uh, before uh, my former, uh, my predecessor or myself, where there were not um, were not being produced. And again, you know, it's not about us, but certainly I think that the fellowship contributed to um, the Ministry starting to produce these types of outputs and, of course, this can be very rewarding. Um, Also take into account that the Ministry was sort of set up in 2017. uh, So it was a combination of joining the Ministry of Trade and Industry and hence why there was need for a lot of sort of building in the internal organizational capabilities of of the Ministry. And yeah, finally, that some of these work streams, as you know, as as, as Sasha mentioned, there is a strong element on uh, sort of long term sustainability and building dependency on fellows. So I think that with my supervisor, this was quite clear and we tried to work on things that could um, sort of have a long um, term uh, impact and that could also be sustainable over time, regardless of of the fellowship. on the other hand, when it comes to life uh, in Somaliland we live in a compound which in a way made it easier to uh, mingle with other foreign workers because uh, there were uh, events and other things being organized and most importantly, I think it's also a great opportunity to, to learn about the, about the culture and about the history of not only the country, but also the region where you are. So, for instance, in the case of Somaliland um, they have one of the oldest cave paintings in the region, Lascaux, and also, if I'm not wrong, what is the oldest mosque um, in the continent. And finally, um, as uh, Asna mentioned, um, I think that as rewarding and as it can be and considering all the advantages that it has, it also has uh, challenges, one of them being uh, living abroad for for some time in a sort of socioeconomic setting um, with which you might not be very familiar. And, and and yeah, I would just encourage everyone to know what the fellowship is uh, is about as in the whole package um, because in a way that also will strengthen your application because I think well Darren and Susan and the team can speak more about it, but um, they also want to know that you know what uh, what you are getting into and what are the advantages, but also what are the 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 challenges. So yeah, these are the points that I wanted to raise and I wanted to, um, basically um, speak about happy to uh, take questions later thanks
0: thank you, thank you Adria I'll turn it over to Yang
1: thanks very much Sasha um so I guess I, I'll probably start by saying I think the fellowship is is really personalized in terms of the experience um you know, even though you're a cohort of different fellows and, you know, you might be in the same country, I think everyone has really, really different experiences in terms of how they experience the fellowship. Um, I mean, one of the things that was mentioned earlier was the sort of insider outsider situation. And certainly, I think it's the case when people expect to go into development, they see sort of development projects they see donors acting um but the ODI fellowship is a really interesting way of being actually able to see what ministries think uh, internally in terms of from the other side in terms of you know how do people feel about donor projects and what sort of makes the donor project successful what the ministries actually want to do um and in part you get involved with the internal politics of everything so that's that's also a really interesting thing to have. Um, I should flag so I I was a fellow between 2019 and 2021 in Timor-Leste with the Ministry of Education where I was uh, sort of the first fellow who was placed in uh, the ministry in the country Um, so in that role you do have a lot of priority setting in terms of what do you want to achieve with your time Um, and so you have a lot of freedom in terms of how to progress with your role in terms of you know do i want to focus on sort of more technical work do i want to focus on more strategic work do i want to more work on more sort of holistic problems um and so that that's a really interesting thing um i work as the education advisor to the minister, so. I think like a lot of odi fellows you end up being thrown into quite a senior role even um even if you have sort of experience it's it's sort of like working very closely with ministers with directors with director generals um, and you typically report to for example director general or director um, in your given ministry so it's always you you play like a really central role in either the budget setting or in analysis. And you're sort of seen as, I think, the go-to person over time as you develop your role and as people start to trust you a bit more, um, that you're sort of the person who sort of analytical work goes to, or you can set the direction of the ministry in terms of how we think about evidence or how we think about data. And so so that's really, really important. Um, I guess one of the things I worked on in the Ministry of Education here, was quite interesting in that. Um, at the time when I'd started, uh, sort of COVID kicked off about six months later. Um, and so myself and another fellow, Julia, we were in charge um, of supporting the analytical support to a grant that went to the Global Partnership for Education. Um, and with that, we were able to secure a $3.5 million grant for uh, the ministry in this education sector in Timo Leshte. Um, but you know, funded loads of things such as distance learning, uh, water and sanitation later on in the year, um, as sort of support for COVID continued. Um, so you end up really having a lot of important projects and you end up being a really central role in the ministry. Um, but of course, that's so the role you play is very much defined by what you choose to do. Um on the fellowship itself, I think um you know you you really get to sort of work in a a flexible way and I think when people think oh we work in a flexible way um no you don't you don't know it until you actually work in uh in a development country in a ministry um so I I used to work in the UK government and certainly you know um there is a lot of nice things about having set processes and, you know, you know what to expect, you know what to expect when you email someone, you know what to expect when you send a project off. Um, and in a lot of the settings that ODI fellows are placed in, um, I think that sort of expectation of the sort of the known and expected is sort of gone out of the roof or gone out of window um, and you deal with problems as they come up. Um, so you really learn on how to deal with situations differently, how to deal with unexpected situations. Um, and also, I think you realize over time as you work in ministries, how important personal relationships are. And I think personal relationships go on to drive a lot of work in terms of how successful your implementation is in terms of um, how you work with different colleagues and that that's something I think uh you learn over time on the projects and on the fellowship, uh where you pick up relationships and you do a lot of work after. Um as Ashna said, also, um, there are set TORs, of course, but as you can imagine, in sort of uh in circumstances where things are moving quite quickly and things are unexpected, you end up also doing a lot of work that perhaps isn't on your TOR. Um, some of them can be more administrative, some of them can be really high level in terms of oh, can you go meet the ambassador for this problem, or can you go sort out, you know, this, like, huge looming issue? Um, so all of that is sort of, like, you, you learn to deal with it on, on the job, basically. Um, and I'll just say, I think, uh, you know, the experiences really give you sort of a, a different perspective on how to work in development uh, developing countries in terms of how to work with different people in different settings, um, so at the moment, Ashna and I are working together in Timor, where we currently both are um, on education budget support to the Ministry of Education. So we did this last year. We had a pretty good outcome in terms of uh, getting a 40 million increase for the ministry's budget. And so this year we're focusing on how to execute that properly. And um, and so really you know like without the odi fellowship i wouldn't have met ashner we wouldn't be working together so there's a there's a lot of you know relationships also within uh the odi sort of network and um i guess i'll just say i think development's a, a pretty small place so you always end up running into odi fellows like oh have you met this person or have you met that person um and i think really the odi fellowship gives you quite a unique way of entering the sector if you've not had that experience before um, and it's, it's also a great way of going to a, a new location which you might not have heard of or you might not have sort of explored before um, and so it gives you a bit of a sense of purpose in terms of like you go somewhere to work on a problem and you, you sort of develop relationships over time and you know you continue to work well and um, you run into different people in all sorts of life so it's a you know it's a it's a pretty unique experience and I think I think um, it's been particularly valuable in terms of both uh, personal and professional development. Um, And lastly, I'll I'll just finish with, uh, I think um, the team based in London uh, and the fellowship team is, uh, you know, manages a huge sort of portfolio of different teams and different people in different countries. Um, And the the sort of the management stance is, of course, a little bit more hands-off in terms of uh, fellows get to have, Um, have more autonomy in their roles. And I think that that works well with fellows and that's sort of the preferred option of most fellows. Um, But in the second year of my fellowship, I had a bit of a personal issue with my family in terms of them having some health issues. Um, And Susan, Darren and Robin at the time were, you know, were super, super supportive and really, really helpful. Um, So I I think even though it's a bit more of a hands-off programme, the support is really there if you go and reach out for it. Um, at least in my experience. So I'll I'll leave it there. Thanks, Sasha.
0: Thanks, Yang. Um, We are... Very much on time. I said that we would leave 20 minutes for questions. Uh, I know Susan, Darren, and myself have been answering questions that have come through the the Q&A, but I think I'll take this one question and and hand it over to the alums. How easy was it to integrate into the culture and community of your host country? Um, Ashna mentioned a little bit about language skills. So particularly with regard to feelings of safety and language barriers.
2: Um, hi, I can take that one. Um, I think, uh, it really depends on, uh, uh, where you're placed and who you're working with. So at the same time, within the same director general, I had two other ODI friends who were working with a director who spoke English and a lot of the people in their department spoke English. So their integration to that extent, I mean, for them getting to, uh, understand what the work was like was much easier. Uh, but in my department, it took me much, a lot more time. But because I learned the language and I was communicating in that and I was making jokes in that, I ended up fostering different kinds of relationships with my department, which go on till now when I go and visit. And people are, I think, relatively happy to see me, but also like relatively happy to help me when I'm working on different projects. Um, I think um, then when it comes to, so, and also when it, uh, Timor in particular, you know, there are certain cultural Cues you only understand by by living here. So, for example, when two people are standing in the corridor, it's rude to walk in between them. So if you come in like on the very first day in the first six months, you might not understand these small cues. So you have to be kind to yourself to make certain mistakes. But I think at the same time, there is uh, a lot of your first few months should be spent asking people about what their uh, uh, about what's going on and i think sometimes some fellows make the mistake of thinking that you know they're here for the job and all of this other stuff is ancillary but i think uh, it's a mix of everything um in terms of safety again i think it depends in diff- depends on um, uh where you're which place you're in in timor in particular for ex- um I mean, I came from New Delhi, uh, which I which was much unsafe for, for women, and as I to be pretty safe, uh, which is which is kind of sad, I guess. But then for, for my my uh, uh, experience was very different. I think as a brown woman, maybe I fit in um, uh, much more in Timor when I was on my motorbike. But like I know a lot of my colleagues who were white um, had uh, different uh, instances of eve teasing, um, maybe especially in the evening. So. I think uh, for women in particular, um, I think it's unfortunate that women have to adapt to different uh, places that they live in and then they manage their time accordingly, whether they're not going out too late or they're going out uh, late, but with friends. Um, But I I would say, what I would say is understand the place that you're in, understand uh, who your friends are, what your timings are like, and make make smart decisions. And I think... uh, Uh, again, unfortunately, women have to do this in many of the places that they live in. So I would say that um, um, it's no different, Uh, but again, um, depends on the fellowship country and take your time to understand that from your colleagues, uh, especially your local colleagues and make smart decisions. Sorry, that's a bit of a bummer, but I think uh, needed to be said.
0: I think that's the the realistic answer. Um, Yang, Adria, would you like to come in on that question? Or
1: we can move on to the next one. Um, yeah, I'll chip in. I, I think on sort of fitting culturally, um, you know, it, it's really about sort of how open you are to the experience itself. And so I think it, like Ashna said, if your focus is purely like, I'm here to work and I, you know, I I will do task one, task two, and then I will go home. Um, then, you know, I think that's probably a little bit less of an enjoyable experience. Um, and I think, you know, you just have to show that you're putting in a bit of effort. So yeah, um, you know, my language skills aren't great right now, but like when I started the fellowship, I think I spent a few um, uh, a few weeks taking courses in languages, um, which ODI had helpfully funded. Um, and I think, you know, after a week, people were like, oh, wow, you're really trying. And I, you know, I think I still have friends from that sort of period when I was learning the language that I still have today, even sort of four years later. Um, so it's really just about keeping an openness in terms of being able to uh, relate with people and, you know, being to new experiences and um, I, on, on safety, I haven't had many issues, of course, Ashna has had, but uh, again, that that sort of, I know is, can be prevalent with um, female colleagues. And so um, it, it, is, it is really about sort of making smart decisions. And certainly, you know, that, that's part of what the fellowship trains you for, right? You're placed in a different environment and you have to learn how to, um, how to deal with situations as they come up um, in a, in a smart way. Um, so yeah, I'd say just like sort of uh, same as Ashna sort of um, be open but also have have a bit of a, a smart sort of uh, streetwise sense about you.
0: Great. Thanks so much. Yang. Um, there's another question in the, the Q&A asking about relationships with colleagues. So, you know, the perception is that the ODI fellow is sent abroad as an expert of sorts. And so, how does this contribute to the work environment and does it help or hinder collaboration with colleagues? Perhaps, Adria, we'll start with you.
3: Yes, thanks. Uh, Very good question. I think it relates to the other question as well. So, the body, I mean, first, uh, we are not experts, uh, I would say. Um, in a way, right? Uh, we might we, we might know other things, but we are not someone with 15 years of experience. And sometimes, um, at least in my case, there was a bit of the expectation to deliver on things that, you know, it's important to be humble and say, look, um, I might not have a particular specific expertise on this, um, but we can work on it together and do our best. Um, so I think that uh, it links to the idea of being, you know, humble and also being honest with uh, with, uh, with what you can do and what you what. You, what with what you think that um, you might not be um, an expert in a way, no? So, I think that this links also to what has been mentioned early. So, basically, building a good rapport with with your colleagues so that they, um, I think that at the beginning, this might be the case that they may see you as as an expert um, consultant or something like this. But as you develop your relationship with them, I think that it helps to understand better how you can fit and be effective um, in that organization.
0: Great.
1: Hashtag or Yang? Yeah, maybe I'll chip in a bit. Um, I, I think it's also <clears throat> really like working with colleagues. It's really about sort of understanding what level you're pitching your work at, right? Um, I had a really good manager, like when I was in the UK government, who told me um, your work is only as good as those people who understand it. Um, so... Certainly, like, you know, it's, of course, like, when you go in, one of the purposes is for capacity development. And so um, if your expectation is to go in and run, like, an R or Python model immediately and be like, oh, I'm just going to hand this over, um, that's probably not going to work. So um, I I think, you know, get to people on a personal level. Um, And I think this was helpful for me in terms of being able to work with people successfully. Um, understand what they want to do and understand how you can support them in targeting that and sort of directing people a little bit towards what you think would be helpful Um, but it really is aligning sort of how your work style approaches sort of the people that you work with right Um, and I think if you're coming from two different perspectives entirely on like trying to implement a hugely technical thing and everyone else being like how do i open excel um you're you're not really gonna get to a middle ground so i think i think just um have sort of like uh, a conversation about where you want to be and you know it's something that you figure out over time um but most people i think most fellows do it successfully
2: um yeah i wanted to quickly add uh, in uh, on that that you know it's it's very important to have a certain level of empathy when you're dealing with your colleagues because i think one of the things that uh, a lot of odi fellows have to contend with is that people are not going to be as motivated um, especially because you're working with people who have been in the civil service for A lot of years and they're not as well paid as you are so if you're being paid 10 times more and you're new to that environment you're obviously going to be more interested in doing things than they might be which might feel very frustrating at first but I think when you couch it in terms of uh, how frustrating the civil service is uh, in most countries you understand where they're coming from because most ODI fellows are there for say two years or with an extension three years but then these people have been in these positions for much longer so I think understanding where they're coming from and the issues that they have to deal with uh, are very important, and also understanding where you can help them. So in certain, like in places like Timor, people uh, will often not voice uh, a difference in opinion with the director, but some you are in this unique position sometimes where you can, even though you just come in. So it would it would be quite uh, in, it would be in, in, good for an ODI fellow sh- fellow to understand what are the concerns of the team and the the spokesperson if they can um also to understand um, uh, what what their colleagues need so for example um i wanted to drive a lot of different things in my department but people were just not interested and then we did a simple uh analysis of okay what do people want and we came it what came up was that people just wanted english classes which was not really what I wanted to do. I wanted to do something with Excel. So we ended up doing the English classes and off the back of it, we formed a few good relationships and we had some colleagues uh, who in my, in my uh, on another occasion I could ask them to do something and maybe grudgingly so they might help out which they wouldn't have done without those English classes. So I think uh, really take the time to understand what people want and also be prepared to fail because uh, these are difficult, intractable problems. Uh, civil service reform is difficult in a lot of countries, and uh, you don't want to change that in your two years. So, um, what you can change is uh, is basically forging a personal relationship and uh, um, helping people uh, get to, uh, achieve what they might want. And I think that's where you could be the most useful.
0: Thanks, Ashna. I think it's an Important point that you raise about kind of managing expectations all around, right? And so I heard, uh, you know, Yang and Adria mention, you know, R and and Python programming languages. And so maybe the the thinking going in would be that you know you would be implementing some complicated model, but uh, you know a basic Excel training might be what is is needed in that particular environment. So perhaps um, uh, it would be useful to speak to the breadth of the work that you all do. So it could be that you are doing something that requires quite a bit of, of, of scale or familiarity with um, you know, economic modeling, but you could also be giving English classes. So um, can you speak a bit to that? Anyone? Yang, Adria, Ashna?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, I can start. Um, so, I mean, I was in a bit of a unique position in terms of being um, in the cabinet of a minister. So um, a lot of the work that I did was like came from all over the ministries. I, like, typically, you know, if ODI fellows placed in a directorate where they have uh, a specific person to report to. But my role alongside one of the other fellows, Julia, Um, We had a pretty interesting sort of overview of the entire ministry in terms of, of course, everything comes to the ministerial level and then the minister signs off or the minister decides on what to do. Um, So, you know, it works on a variety of things like, um, you know, like one day we were sort of assessing the national curriculum in terms of exam results. The other day we were doing um, grants applications and then coordinating donors. Um, in terms of who's doing what, how are we aligned, what is the overall strategy. Um, you know, and another day, we'd be working specifically with one or two people to train a little bit on Excel. Um, so really, uh, like, uh, most of our roles, I think, as I said earlier, it's sort of like, you, you can't necessarily plan all that well. And I think it would be a mistake to try and plan for like, you know, three months, like, I'll do this and like exactly what I'll be doing um because usually something happens along the way and then you get slightly derailed um but it's it's often not a bad thing because you end up having a lot of interesting experiences um so I guess to, to sort of sum that up I I'd say like in my role I had a bit of analytical work a bit of sort of uh coordination work a bit of strategy work in terms of uh reviewing strategic documents in terms of looking at you know what is the education sector plan for the next few years, and as that was an official um, that was an official document by the bank, the World Bank. Um, but you know, as a as a ministry staff, you're able to sort of review that, and you're able to give feedback on sort of what you think um, a sensible thing would be to do for the education sector, for example, in the next few years. Um, so lots of high profile work, it it really is quite varied. Um, that that's my experience. Um, maybe Adrian, I'll pass it to you
3: yeah i can come in um uh yeah no i totally agree Um. that there are different things that you do sometimes on short notice in the fly and uh but yeah in my case maybe or something that i can highlight is that i had an excellent supervisor who was also the Mm -hmm. head of the department of planning of the ministry so i think this speaks to the fact that our fellowships are quite specific and uh, precisely because i was working with him and he knew what had to be done in the ministry because he was the head of the department of planning that meant that in a way it was easier to sometimes um sort of a streamline work that was a bit more long term oriented so i think that while you might be doing things on the flyer on short notice at the same time it might be you might have also the opportunity to have some stream of work which is a bit more um stable and and and, and that allows you to work more towards sort of long-term goals. Uh,
2: yeah, I think the my experience was similar. Um, I think there were in the budget department, you follow the budget cycle quite closely. So you have to do the budget. Then once the budget is passed, you you execute it. And before that, you feel questions from Parliament. But other than that, you also end up doing a lot of varied things. Um, For example, the ministry wanted to do a public expenditure review, Uh, so we ended up doing that with the World Bank. Uh, So you also in a lot of high-level meetings with development partners where you're commissioning studies on the behalf of the government. And I think uh, that one thing to note there would be, you know, development partners want to do things with the government based off whatever their lock frame is, but sometimes ministries have very different needs. So I think ODI fellows are in a unique position to maybe translate some of the government needs to develop in partners. Um, um, It's also important to, and a bit of a segue is, it's also important to, uh, since we are nearly ending, is that, you know, everyone's going to want a piece of you, uh, because ODI fellowships are um, in, uh, in ministries, uh, and they know that ODI fellows have a high level of trust. So, There might be someone from a certain bank who might ask you for the latest GDP numbers before they're published. Or there might be someone who might want some insider information. Um, So I think um, it's very important to realize the position that you're in and be strategic about what you're sharing and not sharing. uh, Because there are certain certain cases where you end up saying something which might lead to a possible leak, which can be problematic. So... Um, Remember that this is a position that comes with a lot of responsibility, Um, the the governments do trust you so while you're doing a huge plethora of uh, things there's an implicit understanding that you're on their team and not on the
0: other team. Thanks Ashna and perhaps one last question before we wrap up um, that came in through the chat. asking about how a fellow's previous experience prior to the ODI fellowship, and then the subsequent experience during the fellowship, how it all contributed to um, your career trajectory. So I think Yang touched a little bit on his his path, given that he's still in in Timor, but Adria, maybe it would be interesting to hear from you, given that you've now gone into a PhD.
3: Thanks. Uh Yes, I had done some work in the Horn of Africa region with a specific focus on industrial um, development. So I think uh, I was uh, very happy to be posted at the, and I think it was quite aligned with what I did before at the Ministry of Trade and Industry, also um, in the region. And I've gone on now to do a PhD. Um, I'm actually at Seoul, we transferred um, on industrial policy again. So um, I think that in that respect, both prior, I mean, I was maybe lucky with both prior and experience and the fellowship actually um, were quite aligned. Hi, Yang, do you want
0: to come
1: in? Um, yeah, of course. Um, So before I was a civil servant in the UK in the Department for Education, and I think in that sort of more structured environment, you learn sort of best practice and sort of, you know, how should an Excel sheet be set up and how do you do a business case and how do you evaluate economic costs? Um, So part of my fellowship was spent on sort of implementing um, part of that, you know, like translating, uh, you know, what, you know, Let's not hard code everything here in Excel. Like that's a that's a good thing to know. Or um, you know, like how do you look at the costs of benefits of this policy um to, to sort of like mixed success, I would say. <laughs> um I, I think, yeah, like most people who have some sort of experience in terms of um having been worked in the workplace before, um, like I, I wouldn't say like it's specifically required that you need to have worked in the sales and background, but just some sort of um, ability to work with different people and sort of share some of the knowledge that you have in terms of um you know what is a good way of working or how do you communicate and like often part of Ashna and my job now is bringing people together just to have a conversation in terms of you know you work on this and you work on that you two need to talk um, and I think that that's uh, from my perspective I think like the previous experience has fed in through that way um Ashna?
2: Yeah, Um, so yeah, I had, um, I used to work in a consulting firm uh, for three years uh, before I joined the fellowship. So I came at it knowing that I was interested in issues of resource allocation, public finance, and I wanted to work in a more, more of an implementation role. Um, So when I landed in the Ministry of Finance, uh, it kind of, my previous uh, role as a consultant, uh, I think things that, the skill sets that I had were communication, uh, maybe learning how to do things. um, uh, very quickly, and uh, a certain level of analytical skills, and also a theoretical understanding of, of how Ministry of Finance or like a planning process or a budgeting process works. So I think what that helped me was like when I hit the ground running, I knew what were the right questions to ask. Um, but having said that, um, um, being able to work on a tight deadline is not necessarily the most important skill when you're working in a government which has long timelines to do anything so I think maybe my work as a consultant earlier uh, actually left me a bit frustrated because I was used to working on um, shorter timelines and expecting things to be done uh, much faster so I relaxed and I learned uh, what it is like um, to work in this government and then uh, get along Um, and I think uh, what I would say that the fellowship has given me is that um, I know who the right actors are in government, what the different roles are. Uh, Implicitly, like like right now, I'm working in education financing with Yang. uh, We'll be able to ask the right questions. Okay, maybe this person will know this and at least tackle those problems accordingly. So I think having a bit of experience earlier helps you maybe uh, come in with a bit more confidence. um, And then... um, uh, being able to use those skills a little bit. But having said that, I had a lot of other colleagues who's, uh, uh, for whom the ODI fellowship was the first job and they also learned along the way. So I don't think that having prior experience, um, not having prior experience as a deal breaker, you also learn skills uh, differently. I think uh, what I have ended up doing is I still work in public finance and like, for example, climate financing was social sector financing and still issues around budget execution and macro fiscal policy, Um, for example, in the work that I do in Somalia. So it's helped me and the fellowship helped me understand that this is the kind of work I want to keep doing. Uh, So that was my experience. I know a lot of people end up doing this and realize they want to do something radically different. So I think you should be open to all sort of possibilities after the fellowship.
0: I think that's a beautiful way to wrap up. I think openness is the the key theme around uh, going into the fellowship, but clearly um, getting out of the fellowship as well. I want to thank um, Yang, Ashna, Adria for joining us today and giving us uh, a bit of a flavor of their experience during their fellowship experience. Uh, And thank you to Susan and Darren for uh, providing their insight. I know we've been rapidly uh, trying to answer questions in the chat. Um, this has been recorded. Uh, we are going to edit it and it will live on the ODI Fellowship Scheme website. Um, applications are open. If you have any questions, um, please do not hesitate to reach out to the team at fellows at uh, And we look forward to reading and receiving your applications. Thank you so much.